season and a couple of you us keep using that word i don't think it means what you think it means infamous is a bad thing i just want you to know that i'm gonna have you you've used it once and i let you get away with it the it's notorious rise season <laughs> yeah. to start over Jake. It's <laughs> not what, that doesn't mean what you think it means all right cut back from the top <laughs> year three the deplorable yeah, rise that. season we gotta the cut that. yeah let's go the outtakes <laughs> so yeah with that let's talk about year three the rise year the huge year where we were getting top 10 votes what do you guys remember? Yeah, Sam, wanted, what did you think of the rise year? What, what did Sam think of the rise year? The That's rise year was that for Sam. Sam is right. That, that was, I was a senior in high school yeah. when that happened. And I felt like I was on top of the world. Um, but going to high school in California, being able to see like my school that I'm going to be good at something they had never been good at in my entire lifetime. Like I had never watched CU football before then. There was no reason to. Because one, it probably wasn't on TV, and two, if it was, they're getting killed by Texas or Oklahoma or insert Big Twelve school here. Um, but yeah, like watching them every week. I mean, I got a, I flew out and was there at the Utah game where they won the Pac-12 South and got a storm the field. Oh wow! And so yeah, it was really. And me and my family went to the only like a CU Buffs bar in Santa Monica to watch the Pac-12 championship game against Washington. And that was that was when I felt what it really what it what it really felt like to be a Buffs fan, which is disappointment. <laughs> after after Cepho got hurt and they put in my favorite quarterback of all time, Steven Montez, and they just got boat raced the rest of the game. And I was like, dang, this this sucks, but you know, next year is going to be better. And then it was just the same. That reminds me of watching the Fiesta Bowl at age at age seven and being like, "Damn, it's too bad that CU got killed by Oregon, but they'll be back." Hey, hey, it's been a New Year's Six Bowl since then. It's been 20, that 21 years. Yeah. I had that same thought. That that was with Joey Harrington, right? Oh my yeah. god, that was a nightmare. <laughs> I think I think that's really interesting because I have a very close friend on Twitter. Uh, his name is Mark. He probably chose CU over CSU because of that twenty sixteen football season and now he's the most diehard CU fan you could imagine but it's almost as though having a good football team has a positive effect on things like college applications and whatever I'm not anyway I'm glad we're finally past that argument now uh yeah seen the light anyway bolstering arguments made in episode one love (laughs) the uh the cool thing about the beginning of that year and I don't know if you guys remember this was the the rise film series that CU um I can't remember what CU entity did it but that was so well done you know having Mark Mark Johnson narrate everything and kind of hype up the team he's like hey like I feel something electric I feel something different I haven't seen you know these guys have been putting in the work and you know as students you can kind of see it you know we went from losing big to losing really close you know we lose to USC the year before by three and it's like okay we're almost there we have we have you know, a handful of, of games that, you know, could make or break the season. You, you go and travel to Michigan. 
Um, you go travel at USC, like right after that, go to Oregon. Like that was the, the, the schedule was no piece of cake. Like you went from tough opponent to tough opponent um, at the start of that season and at Stanford. Oh yeah. Well. At Stanford, like that was, a and those teams season. didn't end up sucking except for Oregon. No. Yeah. Stanford ended up with 10 wins, Yeah, but I think, it, I think they're the winning was, at the big house. We were winning at the big house. Oh, we well, and then we, we lost. Have. No, we lost three guys. We lost Seppo. We lost DMAC and we lost Diego. I was at that game. And that was one of the most electric away games I've ever been to besides Nebraska um, in 2018. Um, that was so much fun. I, that was like the most joy I've ever felt on the road because notoriously traveling, I, I'd lost every single game. I went or the buffs had lost every single game I went to on the road. That was, I was like, Oh, this is the turning point. Like these guys have it, but yeah, I mean, it felt doomed right after that Michigan game. It's like, wow, we lost Cepho. Who knows what Montez can do? You know, I, there's so many question marks at the beginning of that season. It just, you know, it turned out to be something so magical for us, I think. Yeah, I think, okay. yeah, I think that the amazing thing was how confident people were in preseason. I remember Mark Johnson at Media Day saying, there have been seasons where all I've had is hope, but this year I have something more than hope. I have belief or whatever it was that he said. And having that whole series called The Rise – I mean, you want to talk about calling your shot. It's unbelievable to go back and watch the first episode of that. And it's like you're watching a movie or something where he's talking about the last four games and all this stuff. And it's just like, wow, imagine if they had sucked that year. But watching how it all played out exactly how they how they set it up was. And also John Snelson's like the best at what he does. Uh, that series should have won, should have won Emmys. It was so good. But uh, the, I think the, it did, season, didn't he? Yeah. Well, he, he won, won an Emmy. something. But yeah, more more specifically, I guess I think it was really amazing how maybe it was I don't know what it was. Maybe it was I can't. The sports pass getting cut to ninety nine dollars probably made a big difference. But you guys remember that that Rocky Mountain Showdown? It was like packed pretty much at kickoff compared to years before. And I was like, oh, wow, people really might be buying into this. And that was before they had, they had won a game. Now, I don't want to give us too much credit, but in 2015, the student sections were, on average, better than they were in 2014. They still weren't great, but for a team that was coming off a 2-10 and 10 season, we actually had better attendance in 2015 than we did in 2014. And I, I do want to say that we probably had a little bit to do with that. Uh, but going into 2016, I think the buy-in probably had a lot more to do with the team but I'd like to think that we did something. Yeah, I think so. And then it helped because they blew out CSU that year. And then I think Idaho State, I think they blew them out there that year as Long well. Long before Cody Hawkins got there. <laughs> and then you had the Michigan game. I remember a couple of us went to Old Chicago for that watch, watch party. And oh, then I, I was there. After that was the Oregon game. And that was arguably the most critical game of that season. And I remember when they, when they got the win, the big interception in the end zone, uh, we started to push students to come and greet the team at the Champion Center when they got back from Morgan because they were flying back that night. I think they got in around midnight. And we had a pretty big fan contingency that showed up. There were a the bunch of people. And also, the, the ugliest jerseys Oregon's ever worn. That, that, wasn't that the debut of the Duck? Like it was the, the Duck, duck yeah. uniforms. Well, yeah. the jerseys were all right, but it was the shoes and the socks. That were the trouble. orange? Ugh. 
Yeah, but, yeah. We had a lot of people. We had probably I don't know a hundred people, which man, that might not seem like a lot, but that would have been unfathomable to get a hundred CU students show up late at night to support the football team when there's not even a game. That was where you really felt it start to turn and that sense of belief. And then the next week, it wasn't a totally full student section, but it was bigger than we'd had in previous years that we were just killed Oregon State. It was just like, oh boy, oh boy, it's really, it's really happening. Social media numbers were exploding. Uh, it was a real good time to be in. By that time, we had rebranded, ironically, to be part of C-Unit. I don't know if we want to talk about that or not, but to be part yeah, of some frenzy. Really quick, I think the players also started to buy in when they saw the fans there at after the Oregon game. And I'm biased, but I think that that, you know, played a part in their mentality. Like the fans are finally behind us. You know, when, when we were getting recruited to see you, when we were freshmen, sophomores, juniors, the fans would go up. Oh, it's just the buffs again. You know, it's just the buffs. Like see you would be up by a touchdown and, and people would turn off the TV because, you know, the buffs are going to find a way to mess it up. And I think it was that year they finally got the buy-in and it led to that magical season. But yeah, Ted, to your point, that year we also decided to co-brand with the basketball student section and we were called C-Unit Football. And we still had a separate Twitter account, I think, that year and Instagram. Mm -hmm. But yeah, really that was the shift in the name and the brand. Um, but it was easy to partner with C-Unit because they already had a huge brand behind them. Um, but yeah, with that season, do we do we want to talk about that card stunt we did? of the Ralphie logo or Chase, did you have something the next year? We really did the quick? rise that year. Yeah. I was just going to say really quickly. I think, I think what is not necessarily, I, I think it's a little bit understated because I, I think it's easy to say that like Mark Johnson thought there was something new coming in and all that kind of stuff. But I think Colorado that year really surprised a lot of people. And I, I think to give credit to the work that had happened in 2015 and 2014, as far as building up the Twitter account and like kind of establishing Folsom Frenzy slash scene of football, because for a while they were run, you know, like you mentioned, is that, you know, in 2014, if a win like Oregon had happened, no one would have been there when the when the fan when the team got back because that was 100 percent fan driven or not fan driven. It was I mean, it was 100 percent the C unit Twitter account trying to get people to come out for that. And so it was kind of nice to, you know, get rewarded by a good football team with a with a really impressive win. But uh, talking about vindicating, you know, to be able to have the kind of pull where people are excited enough, but also you have the Twitter set up that people actually showed up, you know, having a hundred people show up. I, I think it, if I remember correctly, it was like one 30 in the morning, I was wearing, you know, a t-shirt and shorts. Cause I'd been like ready to go to bed. Um, and so, you know, that, that was a big deal. And so to, to, and I think that was the game, you know, we hung in with Michigan. And I think if you were really following the team, you would know that, this was not a CU team like you had seen in the past, you know, like the score ended up being 45 to 28, but Colorado was in that game. And, and I, you'll never convince me we would have lost if Cepho doesn't go down in that game. And so, you know, things were, were definitely changing and it was kind of exciting because we'd finally established kind of a legitimate student group so that marketing could kind of push resources our way. Well said, sir. Well said. Yeah. I look at that 2016 season as the ultimate example of being prepared for your moment. So 2014 and 2015 were incredible for what we were working with. 
which was a, a very tough to watch product. All that legwork in 2014, 2015 was preparing for a moment. And, and that moment was when the team beat Oregon, right? That was the moment. And you have all this other passion. And now there's this infrastructure there and led to some unbelievable moments. The rise card stunt, the the clap, the Viking clap. Oh boy, that. Oh now, now I, I do want to say something about what, what you said, because I think it's true is, you know, you can't entirely drag people kicking and screaming to a football game. We begged and pleaded and, and wrote tr- elaborate shock things on campus and did everything we could in 2015 to get a fraction of the people that came out to games in 2016 when the team was good. However, because we had built up our infrastructure and our social media presence, we could do something like spontaneously call for a whiteout of the Oregon State game the week after Oregon and get like 90% student compliance with that without any support for marketing whatsoever and get probably about 50% compliance from the general public who, again, it's not like there were any emails sent out or anything that totally spread exclusively through us. So it was really cool to be able to do stuff like that, where that would never have happened if the team had been winning in, in 2014, we wouldn't have been able to coordinate something like that. Well, and I think something that, and you know, obviously we're biased and, and it's easy to pat ourselves on the back, but I think something that was important that, that the C unit folks did at the football games in particular was after, after the, you know, 2012 through 2015 seasons, I don't, you know, to your point, the students didn't even know the fight song. Students didn't know any of the traditions. And so it was kind of cool because on one hand, I think, you know, our continuity kind of allowed us to push back some of those traditions that we wanted to bring back, um, you know, make sure that people were learning the fight song, stuff like that. But to another extent, um, and I think we should talk about this now is, you know, we had kind of the opportunity to create new traditions that maybe hadn't existed or in place of traditions that might've died off. And so, you know, not only, you know, since we all were pretty much CU fans for life before we even got to, to Boulder for, for undergrad, you know, one of those that, that comes to my mind, um, and it's ironic because I actually got interviewed about it, despite the fact that I told Ted that it was the worst idea I'd ever heard. I absolutely hated this idea and it would never work, but it was the Iceland clap, uh, which Ted brought to one of our meetings. So Ted, do you want to kind of talk about, you know, where that came from? I know the Vikings do it now and they're more famous for it, but I want to point out that you know, we did that first before anyone else in the United States did that, to my knowledge, other than maybe like a D3 soccer team. You know, we were the yeah, first major soccer, entity to do that. The, the the Rapids supporters section were attempting it with moderate success. Hey, Ted, can you kind of explain what the Iceland clap is? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. At the Euros in 2016, Iceland had a Cinderella run. They, they made it out of their group and they beat England in the round of 16, which nobody thought would happen. And their fans did this very unique overhand clap with a accompanying interesting sound kind of like a woo that makes everybody who's at the other end of the stadium turn around and look at what you're doing because it's very unusual and very intimidating and everybody in the world I think thought oh that's cool but I thought there's no way this would work in a professional environment of course the Vikings do it now but I thought the only way you can replicate a soccer international environment in America is at a college sporting event that's the only place you have the density and you have the passion to pull something like that off. So it's a coordination with the band getting a kick drum to time us up. And it took Chip, to, which he still has those big hands, by the way, that were made for that, that say clap on them, getting up in front of the student section and, and raising his arms up to do it. And we 
tried it for the first time. I think we, again, it was another thing. We didn't want to try it against CSU because if it didn't go well, we'd never get to the end of it. And also they could boo during it and you really need silence. So that was something that marketing actually to their credit was willing to work with us on. So I think we debuted it at the Idaho State game, but it really came into its own at the Arizona State game, which was the first time we did it at night. And that was the first time we had a fully 100% packed student section in Folsom in my entire time there as a student. And it was definitely a goosebump moment. And then we did it again, obviously UCLA, which was the biggest student crowd we had that year. It was a Thursday night game. And then against Washington State, we did it. And then we did it against Utah. And I'll never forget against Utah, a couple of the players in the Utah huddle on the other sideline turned around and looked at what we were doing. And I was like, oh boy, they're not supposed to do that. So that was a very proud moment for me to actually be distracting enough and pull it off and have it be loud enough and synchronized enough. We didn't get to Iceland levels with the shouting, but it was still, I think, a really cool ex experience for people that did it. And it lived on for a number of years. Last year, they moved it to like the fourth quarter and Folsom was empty every fourth quarter except once. So I'm hoping that somehow we can do it in the second quarter again in the future, because that's when we did it in 2016 and it worked out very well for us. Yeah, going off going off of um, moving it to that time period, there have been a there are some uh, questions asked to people as to why that's when it was because we had always said like there's not going to be people here in the third quarter because that's when everybody leaves to go party. So yeah, it's really it's a real shame that it's just so much stuff they want to do that they they put it on the back burner now and put it in a time slot where people aren't going to be there anymore. Maybe next year people will still be there in the second half. We can hope, right? But nothing lasts forever. I'm just glad that it got, you know, it got called out on the Fox broadcast right before we did the card stunt. That was really the apex moment for this organization was we did that. And then immediately everybody sat down and did the card stunt against UCLA next. And uh, that was so we can lead into that. that. That was magical. We'll, we'll repost that video too. Um, I just wanted to shout out here and the trip team. I know Ted, you mentioned that they were involved, but Cheer was super, was pretty involved with the Folsom Frenzy slash C unit, especially with basketball. They were really instrumental with our chants and our cheers. Do you guys remember when we, when we in, implemented the, the first down? Yeah, where you would rub your hands together and then. Oh, yeah, that. So that was something I was introduced to as an undergrad. So my friends who I used to go to games with, like I said, all those guys who are and folks who are incredibly successful now and it's hilarious even thinking back to that time a lot of them their parents or their dads specifically were all frat bros in the 80s at CU and they're the ones doing that cheer where you rub your hands over your head on first downs and it wasn't first down it was here we go Whew. that was what we did in 2014 2015 range when there was no one there, my friend would still, he, at the time, he was still able to make it to games. And we that's what we would do. And it just kind of got integrated into what we were doing with C-Unit. And I guess someone decided to say, first down. <laughs> and so, Matt, if you listen to this at some point, just know I got your back. It's who. And we also had the sack <laughs> lunch. We also had the sack lunch thing. So my friend Pat brought that from his high school in Washington. <laughs> the sack lunch, the sack lunch thing needs to catch on more. Yeah, that was that was clutch. That what, was clutch. What's the sack lunch thing? Uh, Should we do it, Reyes? Boom! 
Sack lunch. lunch. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> That's corny so as good. hell, but so are we. So that's okay. That's, uh, right. We're all that's right. I'm curious to see what traditions emerge from this current student body, because right now I felt like even though the support has been amazing, I feel a real distinct lack of organization in the student sections that I've been, you know, in proximity to these last two years. So I'm hopeful that there can be some sort of leadership to get we don't have to, I would love to bring the first down thing back, but we don't necessarily have to just rehash things. Although I think tradition is obviously important. But I'm curious what's going to grow out organically from this. Like, I love the minor helmets that are starting now. I like seeing that spread. The bananas showed up our our senior year. Uh, oh, I guess it wasn't your senior year, Paul. Didn't you take a little extra time? But um, did you graduate in 17? Jacob, no last name. You can edit you complete me. <laughs> You're me because Shaft yeah. is the other Jake, so I would never say Jake. 2017. Yeah, okay. So it, I it was in spring. one more year. So spring or 2018. Fall? Was it spring or winter that you graduated? Well, so I left spring 2018. Okay. So basically it was my last year. The bananas showed up and they've still been there for the last couple of years. That's become its own other thing. So I just love to see which traditions just organically sprout up. But I feel like we're a bit lost in the woods and it would be nice with all the attention that's going to be on the student section next year. If they could bring in, I don't know, somebody to teach people some, some things that they should know about traditions but whatever maybe not after all yeah. the crap i've taught it's not going to be me i mean the Street reason plant. the reason the the first down chant stopped being like a thing is we ran out we ran out of tall people that were in the <laughs> unit i thought it's because we stopped getting first downs that's that, that was that part of it as well <laughs> but like, we had like me and Soraya's trying to run it and we're like we don't like it was only like the first two rows that maybe could see us so I'm going to bring us back to that 2016. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Do you remember when we tried to get a platform for that and they wouldn't let us have like yes. a, box, a box to stand on for that? Sorry, that's just something that just popped into my head. Yeah. Dude, it, it helped they have a platform giant... in, in the Coors Event Center for the roller coaster. Oh, it helped having so a giant... Somebody else needs to come back. My God, nobody knows how to do it. That's the problem. I know how to do it. I haven't forgotten. God, people um, just forgot the routine for the, for the roller coaster. But 2016, just to wrap it up, we did an awesome card stunt, which... Ted, you mentioned briefly uh, the, that said the rise. And to your point, Ted, like that Fox sports video that they posted, it was the Iceland clap and then the card stunt. And wasn't it the Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay run too in that video? That was the pinnacle of like, we did. Gus Johnson, baby. In, I in don't remember that, that video. I remember that in the actual broadcast, it was, they showed us doing the the ice and clap, which happened during the commercial break. And then immediately after that, we sat down and organized the card stunt. And Joe Davis said, what an atmosphere in Boulder. And then I, I know for sure that Sefo threw a pick immediately after that. That was an ugly game. I'm very glad that we won. It was an amazing night. I remember setting that up. And the year before, it was kind of cool setting up the card stunt and being like, oh, I hope this works. And that year, setting it up. We were already six and two, and it was just like this place is going to be packed. This is going to be unbelievable. Yeah, so it was well, and it was cool watching, like looking from the other side of the stadium, making sure everything was lined up. You look, and you're like, you can see the card stuff right there, and it was amazing. I think most of us went to the Pac-12 championship game. It's a good experience, but a rough game. And then most of us went to the bowl game as well. We didn't really do a ton of student section initiatives. Yeah, how many times did you guys fall down that year? And, and, and I was standing on solid ground in the front row, and I fell down twice during the Isaiah Oliver punt return and during the 
climactic Kenneth Olboda fumble return against Utah. I, oh, I I was moshing so hard with y'all that I that I hit the ground. Uh, you know, I would fall down sometimes before standing on those bleachers because they're wobbly. But standing on concrete, I was bouncing around so much that I fell over, and I'll never forget that. It was the most uh, the most fun I've ever had at, at a sporting oh. event. Was that year. I'll never forget Saya in the student section. So for the listeners, I love Saya. Saya Lufau is Sefo's brother, and he is one of the most passionate CU fans. And he's this huge, towering guy. How tall is he, Grant? Oh my dude, I, he's got to be like six five six. He, he's taller than Sefo. This I was giant, say, not even not even just tall, but boy is thick, and he will let you feel all of his love. Like he gets excited, and you are going down. If you're if you're not braced by him, you're going down. Like that is a freight train. I love Saya and he is so passionate, but I feared for my life when something good happened. I was like, yeah. you know what? Yeah, I'm those mosh pits, Ted. They were just a blast with Saya. <laughs> I was just going to add that, you know, maybe in in you know, to, to Ted's previous point, there really is a lack of leadership as far as students go currently, but you know, as, as some encouragement, right? You know, we in 2016 everyone and their mom wanted to talk about CU football for the first time in forever. And because we were the only face of the student section that was easy to get a hold of, you know, I, I'm sure you guys, I was interviewed by the Denver post. We ended up as a crew getting to go on nine news and um, which is, I can't a, believe we were going to gloss over that. Yeah. That yeah. Crazy. A local Denver uh, news station. Um, and so a, a lot of people really started to pay attention, not just to the fact that, you know, CU football is good, but they wanted to see who are the people that are energetic and excited about it. And so it was really cool to get to go on those programs and kind of to talk about how exciting it was and to kind of be the face of that as well. And so as we go into what is, you know, fingers crossed going to be an incredibly exciting time to be a Colorado fan, I'm hopeful that, you know, whichever organization ends up stepping up and kind of leading the way um, is ready for kind of the, you know, I don't want to say publicity, but and it's certainly not notoriety because it's so good, but you know, the things that come away from it, as far as the, the, the benefits of, you know, the job as well, that it's not just work, but you know, the payoff was incredible. So with that, let's talk about that 2018 year. 2017. Whatever the year after the rise, what do you guys remember from that year? Oh man. The notorious demise. That's what I, how I, how I remember it. Um, Similarly to Chase, like I was a freshman, I didn't. Nobody really wanted to go. To, like none of my friends wanted to go to the games that much, even though we'd won, which is kind of weird. So like I can remember getting to like the CSU game super early, and just going to like the front, just like going sit sitting at the front by myself. And I'd actually won this contest to kick a field goal for five thousand dollars at the CSU game. So they had me go to like the indoor practice facility. And like practice kicking and stuff like that with like, I think it was like me, it was like one girl from CU, one guy from CU, and then the same for CSU. And it was a terrible game. I, I think it was one of the worst football games I had seen to that point. I think, I think we, we won like 17 to three or something like that. Mm-hmm. And just like getting out onto the field and just going to like kick a field goal in my first game and score as many points as CSU did in the entire game was, did you make I, it? I did. I bounced, I bounced it off of the post and in. The the crossbar or the po- or the or the upright the the upright the right the right upright and it went in, and then in nice. true in true twenty seventeen fashion I I dabbed 
on the way back to, to date the celebration. But uh. so, so then we started that year really strong. I mean, we were three and zero against three not great teams. And then we played against a ranked Washington team at home in the rain where I remember I showed up early and chase. I was, just, we were just like all talking trash to players and chase was like, do you want to be in this group me? And I was like, sure. So I kind of just joined that, that way. And then the freshman that, that, had become the junior leader. He, it, it all comes full circle, but I think that continuity, I, what I want to know is Sam, how did you handing, handing this off to somebody else? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I believe, I believe it is, um, not my fault. I think there's another person in this um, in this Zoom meeting that might have thoughts on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Old know, girl. In, yeah. in, retro, in retrospect, as, as far as 2017 is concerned, you know, I think that was kind of the changing of the guard where the original Folsom Frenzy people had either kind of graduated or um, Jake had decided he was too good for for Folsom Frenzy or, or whatever whatever <laughs> the reasons were. And so in that was defense, really. I was still around. But was Taylor president that year or were you president, Chase? Taylor was president for 2016. I was president in 2017. 2017 was a weird year because, like you said, Chase, like I was still at CU. I was getting my master's, but I didn't dress up anymore. That was the big thing. I just, I went to games for fun. But yeah, it was was definitely like the the changing of the the leadership for sure. So maybe it's like one of those things where after you get everything that you ever imagined that you thought you wanted, you almost, have nowhere to go but down that sounds and about right pa- and your passion just kind of gets toned down well, a little bit it's like the endorphin rush just completely <laughs> i'll say this for 2017 in defense of 2017 you you guys tried to never stop rising and were partially successful by doing a two-section card stunt whereas previously it had only been a one-section card stunt i think that the font was a little bit small but I think that laid out, it looked gorgeous. It was just an execution. I think that it was a little bit too small on the text front for people to read some of it. But I mean, a two-section card's done. That would have been unfathomable two years before that. And we probably didn't even have the guts to try it in 2016. You also got a TIFO, which is something we had wanted for years and finally got. So 2017 had some cool stuff. And, yeah. I, and I think like to give perspective, right? 2017 was a year where... In 2016, we kind of got rewarded for everything we'd wanted, but still had to kind of go our own way. And by the time 2017 came, you know, students we thought were going to be really bought in going into the season. We thought we had a great plan. You know, as Ted mentioned, we finally convinced marketing to buy a TIFO because, you know, card stunts are great, but they're, you know, for people that don't realize it's an incredible amount of work. And so, you know, we ended up organizing it. I think it was two sections and I'll, I'll um, hand it off to Jake to talk about the card stunt here in a second, but you know, we kind of got everything that we've been hoping for as far as support from the from the university. And unfortunately, to an extent, you know, not only did the football team kind of fall off, but and I, I will say in retrospect, I think our student section organization got essentially, you know, we had started as this like independent movement to try to increase fun at, at sporting events. And by the end of it, we ended up becoming kind of dependent on marketing as far as marketing was running all of our budgets everything had to get approved by marketing. So it was great because on one hand, all of a sudden, wow, like we had this budget, we were getting these things, you know, they were branding, you know, the TIFO with our, our logo on it that I, I can't remember who designed. I think, you know, whoever designed. The I logo. helped. Yeah. We, I they, think their Ted, designer, they just, their designer submitted a bunch of things and I, and I sort of pushed for a couple of things that I wanted and they said, no, you can't do this. Yes. Fine. We'll do that. And it sort of ended up where it is, which I think five years on, it still looks pretty reasonable. 
I don't think it's a terrible logo by any stretch. I'm, I'm still proud to have been a part of that, but. Um, and this, this is the rebrand of the Funa logo for reference. The Funa logo yeah. is a little bit more plain and marketing decided to revamp it. And so, you know, we, we ended up kind of in a year where it was, it was interesting because the people that were really passionate about fixing a problem had kind of left. And so we found ourselves with a budget and, and a lot of people that, you know, thought, you know, things have kind of topped out. We're happy with what last year was. And so there was a lot of really great things that we achieved. Getting that TIFA was, you know, a small act of God. I'm pretty sure, ironically, um, as Ted had kind of stepped away, I'm almost positive that's the year that we actually got t-shirts um, officially for the entire student section, much to to uh, Ted's dismay. But, you know, well, a I, lot look, of steps... I'm happy with any, even if they're beige, I'm happy if they get t-shirts. A t-shirt is an important, powerful thing. So I'm not bemoaning the fact that we didn't have them. Right. And, and so, you know, a lot of a lot of good things moving forward into that season, kind of a, a step back of a year. They went five and seven every year Montez was the starter. That's why I call call him five, seven Montez. It looks like Steven if you type it out. <laughs> um, I was just going to quickly talk about the fun things we did that year. We also gave away flags, the black and white CU flags. We pulled off that huge card stunt, which it was for our Ralphie's anniversary. What you 50th, 50th? 50 years yeah. of Ralphie. Yeah. 50 years of Ralphie. What did it say? I think it said happy 50th and the happy was just two people wide. So that was the problem. It, it's hard to fit a happy in one section. So yeah, that didn't really come out. And then I even put the little TH under above 50th. And obviously that's the, the not TH was ne never had a chance, but it looked right. nice laid out before the game, but it never had a chance. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I don't think we've been allowed to do one since because of the infamous aftermath. I don't think we even considered that they would be turned into paper airplanes the paper that we had used was really surprisingly hard, but, but also surprisingly foldable. So immediately they didn't throw them before the card stunt, as I can recall, I believe they saved until after we did the card stunt. And it really showed me how well off our aerospace program is. I've heard a lot of talk about throughout the years of how good it is. And I did not see a visual example until that game because we were in the front row and we were getting pelted with ones made by like the frat students and stuff and the players were getting hit in the helmet with them and there was like loud impacts and then you'd see one coming from the back and it would be going up it would be like a cylinder it'd be going up i'm like okay well that's an aerospace student just showing off it was very we got we got our we got a, a fun meeting after that one i think yeah two sections say, was too much to control well and we collecting them we immediately, uh, well, because we did try to collect them immediately after that was part of our agreement. But, um, you know, I had told the marketing person at the time that it would be fine. You know, no one's going to throw them. We're just going to collect them immediately. And one of the proposed solutions at the time was just to do a like a, a punch through the middle, like a hole punch. And so they would no longer be aerodynamic or anything like that. But we definitely had a uh, uncomfortable meeting. So not only did, I mean, I think the card stunt looked okay. It didn't look great. It was kind of hard to read. It looked really good, as you mentioned before, the, the fans actually came in and like didn't show up. The Ralphie but, logo looked all right. Yeah, the Ralphie logo looked okay. But, you know, after they all got thrown onto the field, I was told, you know, that will never happen again. I hope you're happy with the TIFO. And so it was, it was it, to an extent, also things like that, where, you know, it was no longer about what was fun and exciting for the students, but also like, the, and, and to be fair, we almost caused a, a penalty on the team because of mm -hmm. all of the uh, paper getting thrown onto the field so you know it was it was fun it was exciting it was something that i'm sure when you put up the the 12 card fulsome frenzy card stunt three years prior or two years prior whatever it was it would have seemed impossible 
but you know it was cool because it, to an extent at least we got to try it and by the way it was funded completely by marketing no you know oceans 11 project required they actually brought it in for us directly so um it was it was really cool i think it's uh really interesting that I don't remember that at all about the paper airplanes from that, but I remember vividly freaking out anytime anything was thrown onto the field the previous years, because I was actually back in town. I had already moved to Los Angeles the month prior, but I was back in town for that game where you guys did the card set, and I actually helped a little bit organizing people and whatnot, but I think just because my ass wasn't on the line anymore, I have no memory of any of the paper airplanes. It was just like, oh, isn't that isn't that funny? Whereas every time I would see something go on the field the previous three years, I'd be like, no, stop. You're going to get it. all, you know, I, I mean, that's funny. Yeah. yeah look, you know what? I was too hard on it. If you just yeah. think it just says if you think it just says 50 and you ignore the top part, if it just is the Ralphie logo in 50, it's definitely fine. I mean, I've seen yeah. better pictures. For the listeners, of it too. I, I just threw up a picture. We could post that on our socials as well. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter, Wholesome Frenzy Pod. Yeah. And I, th- I think the thing that people forget is that we had to, I think that was a noon kickoff, if I remember correctly, or it was an earlier kickoff. And so I believe we first got to the stadium to start setting up and taping the, the cards. It must have been, I think we got there at like 6 30 in the morning, right, Sam? And so the the commitment that it takes to do a card stunt like that is just absurd and so to have a, a really good team that we had you know our executive board all showed up we had a lot of members show up for that as well um it, but it was it was a lot of you know not just the excel planning of like mapping out the section but you know getting the cards in the right spot getting there early um and that's the kind of commitment that you know you have to have from a student organization group to to get something like that to happen yeah i mean another vivid memory that i have um from this year i believe it was parents weekend against Arizona and we did something against God besides just kill kill their starting quarterback of Arizona and brought upon the wrath of Khalil Tate mm-hmm. upon singularly the University of Colorado football team for the next three years and I remember standing with my dad watching possibly the greatest athletic performance I've ever seen I think I believe he had like 14 rushes for 320 something yards that actually now that that was when my CU fandom really started, I think. And I got to feel what it was like to be a real CU fan because I was like, oh, of course this happens to us. And that game was so bad. Ever. Yeah, the game was so bad that I remember asking if we should actually do a kickoff because on the next play, he's just going to run for a touchdown. And sure enough, after the kickoff, he ran it for 75 yards. Um, but I will say, other than the, the low point of that, you know, we also did our little, you know, we, we talked about the covert things that we did back in 2015, I suppose it would have been. We we thought it would be brilliant. So Jake had actually posted, um, we'll talk about the Utah card stunt. Jake had forever been in love with the idea of, I believe it was one of the Ivy League schools, did a we suck card stunt. Um, it was, I think, Yale doing it to Harvard. Yeah. yeah. And it might have been flipped, but it was that yeah. rivalry. And so we thought it would be brilliant. Obviously, the... Utah rivalry was not what we had had dreamed it should be. And so we, for whatever reason, thought that we could create this rivalry by driving to Salt Lake and doing a fake card stunt. And so we kind of, fortunately, uh, we had the experience from, you know, years of sneaking things into Folsom Field where we would go in and I believe our, we wanted to do, you know, we soccer or something like that, but we ended up doing something that wouldn't get us in as much trouble. So it said, SCO CU. Hey, can, um, I, can I jump in there real quick? Yeah, please. So, yeah, so we had to write it up on Excel. And I remember going through Ticketmaster and mapping out Utah Stadium to try to get the seat layout. 
needless to say, it didn't matter because I remember that section wasn't full. And I think that's what threw us off I, eventually. But yeah, we ended up going with the SCO CU because we didn't want to get in too much trouble. But yeah, I just want to add that context. And and part of the problem was that we had selected essentially a like family section, not a student section. We are, you know, we obviously being students at the time had bought the cheapest tickets in the entire stadium. I don't even know if we had a seat. I think we were standing room only literally tickets. Um, but we we go down to the section and we start handing out the cards and my, my favorite memory of the entire event was that we had driven all the way to Salt Lake. We were really excited about the game. We knew we were about to get stomped, if I remember correctly, or we didn't expect to win. But we uh, bought, we actually went to Walmart and bought a bunch of Utah gear because we wanted to pretend essentially that we were the equivalent of the C unit or Folsom Frenzy for Utah. And if I remember correctly, we also had like fake earpieces and like we went all out. Like we had, you know, props. I think Jake was carrying stories. a clipboard. There's two sections yeah. of us. So we did some research. Yeah. And we we had actually taken time to figure out like which high school each of us had all gone to. So like every time I see Ogden, Utah, I always think about how I'm a huge fan of Ogden High School because I'm an alum. You know, you know, we had, you know, to some extent we way overplanned. And then it turns out on other ends, we had completely underplanned. One, because the section was almost completely empty. But even worse, Jake had tried to convince me to take off my, I had a Rashawn Salam jersey on. And uh, I put the Utah shirt on over it. And Jake was like, please, please, please take the jersey off. They're going to see it underneath your shirt. And I was like, Jake, relax. I'm just going to roll up the sleeves. It's going to be fine. You know, we're going to we're going to just go over there. We're going to hand out the cards and we're going to book it. And so we're uh, handing out all these cards. And I think we'd probably gotten them about 80, 85 percent handed out. And turns out, you know, if you hand people a piece of paper and tell them to pass it, People will do anything, you know, no questions were asked. We'd, we'd taken this time to prepare this entire story about our backgrounds and why they should trust us and how, you know, we were membership of the MUS and had gone to Ogden High School. And turns out they just took the cards from us. But as I'm passing out probably the third or fourth to last row, my CU black and gold sleeve falls out underneath my Utah shirt. And, you know, I'm trying to like hide it, put it away. And the guy that, you know, the two guys, I can still see their faces that were sitting next to me. We're like, wait, hey, hey, wait a minute. You know, what, what's <laughs> going on here? And I was like, uh, uh. It's like and that so scene I'm, in Inglorious Bastards where they put up the three the wrong way. Yeah, like legitimately. And so like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not even going to lie. And so I just keep handing out cards. And all of a sudden these guys are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This guy's, you know, this guy's fake. He's a CU fan. They're trying to like raise the alarm. And so, you know, our cards are probably 95% passed out, but I'm just like, everyone put them up. And so they start putting them up and it was, you know, naturally completely unlegible. We, we tried to do it during a TV timeout so that Fox would get it on TV and think that it was a real card stunt um, and it completely blew up. But, you know, I think we deserve an absolute top line A plus for effort and probably a C minus as far as delivery goes. But, you know, I'm curious, Jake, Sam, you were obviously there. Um, what your thoughts were on that? Yeah, I mean, you can kind of make up the CU. Maybe this you squint really hard. I am actually, I, I admire you guys for trying because I would never have the ball. So, yeah, that was a, that was a bowl like that. Yeah, it was is one thing. I remember right when up. we made him raise it, we we're just like, get out, let's leave. Like they were on to us. We're like, book it. We ran out that stadium. And the um, worst part is we sprinted out thinking like it was going to look awesome. And then we sprint all the way to the other side of the stadium. And keep in mind, the Utah fans on the other side of the stadium were like, very friendly with us and essentially like cheering for us to be successful, which is how I know this will never be a real rivalry, by the way. 
but you know, we come back over all triumphant and we're expecting to see the photos and like be vindicated. And then we see the photos and I'm sure we'll tweet that out as well, but it's, it's horrible. And the Utah fans, I'm pretty sure offered to buy us food or a drink or something to like console us. And at the end of the game, I think we ended up giving all of the Utah gear we had purchased to those fans, because obviously we were never going to use it again. Um, and they were so incredible, but you know, the yeah, rivalry is never going to exist. We do have, we have a photo with them, uh, like a Jersey swap photo and let it be known that, you know, the, the rivalry may never actually happen, but it's not because we didn't try. So with that, I think a new rival telling. target is Bama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's telling that Carl Durrell was so oblivious that he put, I was seeing in these facilities videos, he tried to copy McCartney's red letter game that he had for Nebraska with Utah. And I was like, how oblivious do you have to be to make that Utah and not USC? Like, what are we doing, Carl? That was like, I mean, the guy's already gone, but that was like major red flag, no pun intended. Cause like, yeah, they just pity us. There's no hate. And if there yeah. is, it's mostly going to be from us. Yeah. Seeing that, seeing that card stunt at Utah from the other side, cause I didn't join you guys. I just, I just wanted to watch it happen. I, I wanted nothing to actually do with being there trying to convince these poor, incredibly friendly people to put up, uh, you know, a pro CU. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, it was innocuous. It was fun. But as soon as those cards went up, uh, yeah, sure, doesn't doesn't look great. I, I was like so proud of you guys. I, I, thought, uh-huh. I was like, this Thanks, is Grant. so. Are we the baddies? Is, are we the baddies? So that was. I was just so blown away that you got them to even take the cards and to hold them up. And I I, I remember I put it in the group me afterwards, and that's when the torrent of internal infighting began. <laughs> so with that. Let's talk where the student section's at now and final thoughts and what we think about the student section in the future. I know we touched on it a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think so. Part of me wonders if to succeed in a role like Folsom Frenzy, you know, everyone in this group was a CU fan basically as soon as they were born. Um, Everyone on this podcast today was a a fan. A lot of the people that were in our group, me and, and, you know, worked for, for, for Folsom Frenzy and then CU unit were all buffs for life before they even went, you know, step foot in Boulder. And so part of me wonders if it takes that kind of like passion and interest and like lifelong loathing um, to succeed in a position like this. But I I really, it's going to be interesting to me to see, obviously there's a huge lack of continuity after the COVID year where there were no fans in the stands or, or, you know, very few. And so part of me wonders, you know, did we lose that? I think C unit as it is now is essentially just a marketing Twitter account. I don't even know um, if students run this and I'll let Sam kind of touch on this um, in just a second about like, you know, I don't even know how student involved it is anymore, but you know, whether it's, you know, at the time we always wanted to get more Twitter following the barstool buffs and stuff like that. But I think, you know, going into, and we see this, you know, obviously all these podcasts about, including ours about CU are popping up and, you have, you know, Twitter mentions and, you know, people are talking about Colorado with Deion Sanders as we move on. And so I really do hope that students get to be a part of what I think we all agree is going to be a much better CU football team moving forward. Um, and so I hope that students are a voice in that and it's not just being directed from the top down. And I hope that we're able to find people like that. But, um, you know, as of right now, it, you know, there's not a lot of people that are willing to show up to a game four hours early, you know, five hours, six hours early to set up a card stunt. Um, but I think that's part of what makes the experience so memorable for people, you know, after they graduate. And I think it's an important role and I think it's a challenging role, but I think 
you know, I, I will mention, I leave it on my resume because people always ask me about it and it gets us talking about sports. You know, it's one of those things that it was incredible and I, I really hope it carries on. And, you know, obviously it was some of the best memories of our college careers as we kind of talk around and reminisce. Um, and so I, I hope that moves forward. I just don't know what it will look like. Yeah. Going off with what you said, Chase, um, there needs to be that passion. I could tell in my years, it shifted from people who were there because they were passionate about CU football to, oh, I can get a job out of this later, or I can put this on a resume, not for the same reasons that you put it on yours, Chase. Uh, so there's a lot, there's a lot more interconnection with people that work with CU and not the same, there wasn't the same level of radical ideas that could get people in trouble, like doing it. Like there was no way that we could have done, you guys could have done the Utah card stunt in the last two or three years. Like it would never be approved by anybody. And so going forward, like I can say, I don't think there's any students in C unit currently. I don't think there's any leadership, at least I, at least that I know of. And we were down to like three or four students because it just wasn't fun because it wasn't a student thing. It was a marketing thing. I think CU Barstool's taken over. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think they've done a very good job doing some of the stuff that old Fulton Frenzy did in some ways and being a little bit on that edge that we weren't allowed to be um, late in the C unit thing. Like that's where the pulse of the school is right now, honestly, is CU Barstool. And, you know, part of, you know, this the conversion of the Twitter accounts and all that, you know, kind of the history is that C unit basketball's leadership basically doesn't exist at all anymore either. And so, you know, C unit, what was Folsom Frenzy became C unit football ended up kind of absorbing C unit basketball. We ended up, you know, merging into the football account on Twitter and, and Instagram and kind of just moving forward that way. And so, you know, maybe winning is enough and it's not about having the great student experiences because, you know, if you win, people will come. And so you don't have to manufacture that kind of experience. But I do think that you know, the thing that keeps people around and, and buffs fans for life is having a great time at the game with their friends. And, and part of that, I think, is, is through that. And so, yeah, um, I just want to add the perspective of the fact that, you know, there is no student leadership outside of the Barstool accounts. Um, so I think we've got some business minded people on this podcast. So I think it's like what happens with any startup. If you've got a group of really driven people that are willing to work long hours and really devote their lives to something. And if it's successful, which I think it's inarguable that Folsom Frenzy C unit football was successful, it will eventually become subsumed or bought out by some larger enterprise and uh, you lose some of the magic. That's just the way it, it is. And I think also that uh, now with things being so popular and, and student attendance being so amazing despite the results on the field, I think that a it's not as much needed, at least as a as a promotional arm for things like selling sports passes when they're selling out of sports passes, and certainly will again next year. But for things like coordination and traditions, I feel like there is really a void right now where there is something more than just going and cheering when the team does good stuff. I think the thing that's great about college sports compared to professional sports is all the traditions that are associated with it. I mean, the Broncos have incomplete, but other than that, you know, most people don't have chance in things that they do at professional games. So I would love it if there were some students that were CU fans from birth or that are really hardcore about history and tradition who could do something to help teach people things before this next football season about 
some of the things that have been done in the past or even come up with new things because it's a lot more fun when students are, are doing things that are creative and as great as it, as it is to have the stadium packed, it would be great if they were a little bit more coordinated. And I don't know anything about who runs the CU Barstool account, to be honest. I don't know if it's students or if it's uh, somebody else, so somebody could enlighten me on that. But I know with Dion Sanders being here, that connection's not going anywhere and it's probably only gonna get stronger. So I hope whoever is running that um, has their head in the right place when it comes to stuff like that. To jump in on that, I think like it's just where I've seen kind of social media go. It's it's all about views now. Um, not so much, you know, if you want to say traditions, but it's what can you say or like, you know, just have an account that's up there for the students. So I, I feel like a lot of the student run stuff, more you see online, you don't see as much stuff like in person that we, you know tried to foster and create, which really stinks because having an amazing game day atmosphere for the student section um, that is student run, like I think it makes a huge difference in your experience at the school, um, no matter where you go, because to your point, you know, you get those traditions, like some of the coolest things I still, when you were talking about the Iceland, like I, Iceland chant, like I had goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, well, all I was going to say is I hope that in the tradition of all CU fans over the last 20, 30 years when this team's actually doing well, I hope that we're jerks to everyone. <laughs> I don't think you have to worry about that. I think that's guaranteed pretty much. My, my fiance is a USC fan and she said that the most uh, flack she ever got for wearing USC stuff was at a CU game. And that kind of made me a little proud in that regard. So <laughs> but stay toxic. Older, no. <laughs> I'm worried that I'm going to get in a fist fight at the Nebraska game next year, especially if game day is there and we have to be oh. like dealing with these people on set, trying to hold their signs and stuff like that. It's going to be, it's going to be like hooliganism on the level of European soccer. I think it's and be Barstool will confirm they're going to be there too. It'll be interesting. I, I, I do think I like, honestly, I, it's not going to be something that it's going to have to be something that comes organically. Like it's, it's so tough, you know, cause we started technically started organically and it's, it just seems like the passion just isn't there in the commiserating of, you know, what it was like to um, grow up as a bus fan, seeing all the struggle um, just like maybe, you know, I don't know what's missing, but it's like, well, they just didn't care. And now it's like, wrote them off. It's like, oh, I'll go to see you. But I don't have that passion for the team. Um, However, there's 10,000 of them now compared to a thousand, you know, so I, I'll take true whatever this is. If that if that Cal game's not passionate, if they're just there to have a good time, it still looks like a lot of fun to me. So I'm just happy they're going to the games. No, I, I definitely agree. It's but, you know, like you, like we've all touched on, it's, you know, you're missing the traditions and the student aspect of this whole thing is what made it so much in my eyes, more incredible and just um, more worthwhile in my eyes. Yeah. I'll just, and, and kind of off that and, and even the state toxic Boulder, I hope that, you know, the students have fun in the same way that we got to, I, I cannot imagine for the life of me that the C unit, you know, Twitter accounts or anything like that will get handed back over to students when we were tweeting things like, you know, if they named a city after me in Nebraska, I'd want a bullet in my head too, stuff like that. You know, that'll never probably come back. But to an extent, I think, I, I hope that they're still able to have fun with it. And it's not just a branding perspective. And if that has to come from alternative sources, then I hope it does. But, you know, I think for better or for worse, we are famous for being notoriously horrible fans. And 
at, at the end of the day, that's, that's a lot of fun for students. And I think students really get into that. And if you want to talk about getting retweets, our best tweets that we ever got on our C unit accounts were the absolute most heinous things we've ever posted. So, you know, do you remember when we were, we were at nine news and we were bragging about being at nine news and the CSU student section replied, who's even watching the news at four o'clock on a weekday anyway. And I said, all the unemployed CSU grads, that was my favorite. <laughs> that was my favorite tweet that I ever did from the account. There were definitely a lot of gems on that account for sure. Well, with that, guys, it's been fun reminiscing and talking about the student section and our days in college. And I just want to give a shout out of to everyone on this call. Uh, everyone on this podcast was super instrumental in in the creation of Pulse and Frenzy and also the continuation of C Unit. Ted always had the best ideas. Sreyas was instrumental in running the Twitter account and the buff chips. Grant was the game day guy. And then Chase and Sam for con continuing the legacy. But there's also, you know, probably 30 other people that played a huge role. And I don't know if the listener really understands how much time was put into the student section by, by these students. So I just want to give a shout out to all those people that made it possible. Um, Scott, it was fun. Taylor, Brent. Yeah, let's do it. Shout out to uh, Scott, Taylor, Brent, Audrey, Emily, Kate, <laughs> Ashley, Eric, Braden, John, Chris. Shout out to all those guys. Lauren. I, I missed. Yes. Lauren. There's so you. many. Davis, too. I know we kind of. Davis. Oh, yeah. Davis. But yeah, thank you to everyone that made it possible. I know we made an impact. The 2016 year also helped for sure. But I'm excited to see where the student section goes. Uh, I think. I love the CU Barstool account. I, I that's what I wanted the Folsom Frenzy account to be, and it kind of was. It had that had that uh, kind of brand behind it of it, it was student run. Uh, we may just need a rogue squadron. Somebody needs to start a rogue, rogue squadron. Rogue we don't squadron. need to have an official student section. We need to have a, a group of creative outside the box thinkers. Rogue, rogue squad putting up a Coach Prime um, hard stunt. I don't know. I don't know. You're you're hearing you're hearing weird ideas that are never going to happen. <laughs> prime time right <laughs> we're out of our prime though so the students need to do some of these ideas bring back marshmallows i know some alumni will, will love that see, see that's the thing is i, I want people who because when alumni told us that we were like cool let's do that i don't want people who are going to be like no nah, screw all your old traditions there's got to be some people who think the old stuff's cool whatever i'm an old man now i'm gonna go retire soon and die i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and with that <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. As always, uh, we're going to continue to try to release these hopefully weekly, maybe twice a month when it's when news slows down. But who knows if news will ever slow down with prime time. Um, but yeah, give us a follow on Twitter. Give us a follow on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the whole bit. Thanks for listening. And with that, we're out. <laughs>